to the people who, you know, do want to put in like the time to go do something, to work hard, to get something. And then to not just get wiped every single time by a group. Cause man, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't the hardcores that'll come play. That'll, they might play their version of hardcore, but it's that balance, man. Like, because yeah, it can't be for everybody and it can't be made to where you just appease everyone and you give everyone what they want. Cause then you end up getting another one of the same, but you also don't want to be so rigid in your design and so hardcore about it, that it's so punishing and it feels so unfair to a person that they just don't even care or want to play. Cause that's how you kill your game too. In my opinion, that's Absolutely. how you do it. So it's that balance, man. And you're definitely not going to, not everyone's going to love ashes. This moment served the Pathfinder well, and he remembered something his old friend the Cleric had mentioned before he entered the gateway on Sanctus. The old Cleric told him about the ebb and flow that existed in all things. There was a flowing essence in all things on Vera, as it was the source of magic and great wonders. In this moment, the Pathfinder wondered if the presence he felt was actually the essence flowing through the world in light of the previous confrontation. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome once again, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back, Half Tilt Gamer. Hey, hey, how's it going, folks? Boy, boy, boy. It's been a bit of a quiet week around, you know, the Ashes fam, but we've got some we got some pretty fun topics to talk about today. Uh, and before we do dig in, got to give a big shout out to the home of this podcast over at yes, 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 AshesHQ.com, the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also, a shout out to all the Imperial Flames, and those are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week, friends. And um, look, we don't have any five-star reviews, but if you'd like to leave one on iTunes, just go over to at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Look for the pinned post right at the top of the, the feed on that uh, that profile for our profile there. And uh, it'll take you right to all the links where the pod, uh, podcasts are actually at. You can go in there. You can do a five-star review. And uh, if you do leave a comment, we will read that here on the show. Also, you can leave a message here at one five three nine six six four six eight zero one, and we will play that on the show. Uh, mailbag, you can send that to the uh, Ashes Pathfinder Grunt, AshesPathfinders at gmail.com. And there is no other end. We're just going to jump right in. Friends, what have you guys been up to the past week? Has there been anything that stuck out for you? I got some things here, but what about you guys? Not much, unfortunately. I feel oh, no. like I'm, I'm like uh, living under a rock with work. <laughs> oh man, dude, what about you? Yeah, say been busy with work. I've been uh, been playing some Diablo three just to kind of calm my mind. Mm. I've been working on my mountain log cabin in Valheim that I've been nice. grinding away on for weeks now, and yeah, just That's busy, awesome. busy. Heck yeah, man. Bye. 
I do have to jump in there. I, I have been, oh, yeah. when I'm done with work, late into the night playing Valheim. I'm really enjoying it. And this is, like, I didn't play it when it launched, so mm. I'm discovering all these things everybody's pretty familiar with, and nice. it's definitely a good time. So makes yeah. me think of questing in the open world in, uh, in Ashes a little. Nice. Yeah, because it is an open world. That game is, you know, it's more survival, obviously, but... Yeah, I know. I know that uh, Half Tilt was playing it for a while. I played it a bit, um, but man, I've uh, I've actually been playing a little bit of ESO, getting back into ESO, playing it super casually, uh, playing some Gwent. That's what I'm doing to kind of bide the time, you know, and enjoying some uh, games with you know the homies and stuff. Some of the Ashes fam here. Um, I got a few people in our community who actually jumped over and kind of joined. Uh, ESO as well. So it's been pretty cool, man. I'm gonna be doing that a little later as well today, probably. But yeah, just overall, um, you know, it's a little bit of a calm before the storm because uh I've got I owe my own community a 24 hour live stream now because I promised, and I also promised that this beard of mine was gonna get dyed. So I around Wednesday coming up here, am going to be bleaching my beard out. Oh, and then I've got die for it. So I'm legit dying it. So we're going to start back here. And I think we're going to go from like yellow to orange to red. Because uh, what they the community voted on was the Phoenix uh, like style sort of beard. So I figure that's a good go from like yellow to, to orange to red. And that's pretty, pretty much it. Um, yeah, I was actually surprised that there weren't more people who actually voted to go pink or purple. Um, it was actually very much either like hard red or the Phoenix one and the Phoenix one won. So I've got to dye that on Wednesday. Um, and then, yeah. And so, uh, on this Friday, which is actually, I guess we can go in and announce this now actually, right? So the upcoming live stream for ashes of creation is scheduled for August 27th. Okay. That means that if you want to get any of your questions into the team, go to the forums, right? I will link it here in chat shortly. And you can go to the forums, go to this post, and you can uh, submit a question for the team. They might ask the question live towards their end of the live stream where they do the Q&A bit. Um, so what that means is that I'm going to be doing my 24-hour as this is happening. So this will be, be the first time I'm actually streaming and watch it because usually we watch it we hang out in discord and then i go live after i gather people's questions and thoughts so this is actually a little different for me to actually be doing it uh doing a live stream while they're actually doing theirs i usually don't do that so um but anyway i've got a 24 hour i think i'm gonna start earlier in the day like 9 10 a.m or something uh announcement will go to discord but uh i'm planning on doing some giveaways playing some games with the community probably be playing like um, Gwent, ESO, maybe Paladins, maybe uh, Modern Warfare, um, just a bunch of games that are kind of on the agenda and uh, that I kind of play regularly. They're kind of like in my rotation um, and just kind of like bounce between games, chat ashes, watch our live stream. Um, I'll probably do some sort of like goals and see. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but it'll be announced in Discord. But my beard will be dyed by that point in time and the community will get the 24 hour live stream they've asked about for, I don't know, like a year plus now. So that's happening. So be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you'll probably get to see what happens when I get into my sleepy phase because I tend to say some things. <laughs> like It's kind of like when I get a little tipsy, I just kind of say ridiculous things. But anyway, 
it, it seems to align perfectly. So um, I owe it to the community. I'm going to be doing that and uh, hope to make it a lot of fun. So if you've got questions, get them in and we'll be collecting uh, any of your thoughts and feedback as we always do to bring on this show and talk about in the following podcast day, which will be two days after their live stream. Right. So on that following Sunday. So be there with the Ashes fam. Let's hang out. Let's support Intrepid. I am actually really curious what we're going to get. I do think that we're going to see some of that final siege footage and stuff because I know Toast during the last, uh, the very last day of testing, um, Toast was actually like gathering people up and getting, um, getting like uh, pictures or video footage or something. And I know even during that last siege that like they were, because everybody had flying mounts, right? So people yeah. were, we had flying mounts because Toast and the team, they were just giving them out. Like, here you go. You get them out. You get them out. I'm like, thanks, man. Of course, I got the Phoenix oriented uh, mount, which I felt really good about. I was like, thanks, homie. You know, he was all like, I think this one's probably the right fit for you. I was like, appreciate that. And uh, nice. we got to fly around a little and it was a little bittersweet. It was. I know we talked about it last time, but I am curious what footage they curated because I know they didn't want people in the siege like flying around. They want people to try to do it more normal. And it was a it was a hell of a good fight. Um, the last one was. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they showcase maybe from that um, from that, you know, like snapshot. And I'm also actually curious about what they might share about things moving forward. Um, I'm thinking specifically about like studio tour maybe, or if we're going to get that or um, anything, you know, like we talked about, I think half tilt and they listen. We all, we all talked about this last time. Like, you know, um, any, any kind of like frame of reference for the steps moving forward that you can share to kind of let the community know about. But um, I guess before we kind of dig into some of our topics, what are some things you guys are actually kind of hopeful that we might get a snapshot of in the upcoming live stream this coming Friday? I probably would say like the biggest thing and Half Tilt mentioned it uh, last time as well would some sort of roadmap. I mean, it doesn't even have to have like specific dates per se, but just kind of knowing what's next. Are they planning on doing like any other other than spot testing, any other alpha one like stretches of testing? Are they at this point ready for alpha two? And and I definitely agree with your comment the other time as well, um, Sim, is that they've got a lot under wraps. They've been working and building on. They haven't shown us yet just to keep that world, you know, close to the chest. So I'm hoping we just get some more of those reveals, like whether it's like some race work or some other biomes or something like that um those would be my i would say top three yeah the roadmap for me is probably the number one thing um just so that we have a rough idea of what is happening not necessarily when we know it's going to be months that they're working on stuff and kind of in a in a brownout so really any dates before they get a large way through this brownout and do a lot of the work that they want to do which is probably going through a lot of the data that they've been backlogging on parsing through it all mm. and actually itemizing and actioning it um we're probably not going to see much of a timeline until a lot of that has been factored into the current build and i'm okay with that 
I'm okay with that. But an idea of, okay, this is the systems that we want to be bringing online. This is kind of what our goals are that we're working towards. And we just want to share these with you uh, is kind of what I want to see. I'm also with the community. Shout out to Gruntag and Woodchip and everyone else here. Oh, I want the Ranger, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the Ranger. And I, you know, I do expect that this month's live stream is probably going to as you say, have footage yeah. from kind of the closing moments or if not kind of, um, Oh, what do you call it? Um, a montage yeah. of the alpha one, like a highlight reel of alpha one, um, put together that that would be really cool to see a studio tour i would love to see but i really think that that needs to be its own separate thing right. i don't think it fits a monthly dev stream update it, this is about the development of the game not so much just a here's a studio words are hard studio tour um so yeah i think ranger what might be next month I, I i would love to see some ranger footage just a, a, something gameplay with the ranger running around shooting some arrows blasting some people in the face that mm. would be really cool so those are kind of the things i'm really hoping to see mm -hmm. yeah i do agree too like the the ranger is probably the i mean it is the class that we actually had designed and had skills kind of like prepared for all the way back in alpha zero so it does seem like it would be the next one to probably visit again or to revisit at this point um, but I, yeah, I was like, I know I had some comments. I did, um, I've been doing some more game guides, like, you know, for the HQ and getting them up there. And I know I got some comments recently, or maybe it wasn't one of the ashes talks or whatever, but I got some comments from people talking about, um, like not really feeling like maybe, you know, that they really do have, like, they have a lot more to do. Like, so there's like, it definitely seems like there's some people. You know, I view that the world in terms of like uh, the world building, not in terms of the narrative and the lore, but the world building in terms of like the game itself and the world we would play in. I do have a, a really strong feeling there's a lot done there. And that is probably more of like these systems and like features in the game that just need to be sort of like ironed out, fixed, revised, fine tuned, etc. Um but I am kind of curious, you know, like I've, I even contemplated like putting a poll down and kind of getting some feedback like, you know, around classes that people would want to see, like what they would want to see from the classes, like when they'd want to see them, like what seems like a feasible timetable, you know, to like kind of like deliver upon these classes. Because I in my mind, I'm like trying to go back and, and I'll be honest at this point, I can't think I can't specifically and accurately really quote what they stated now. And I do need to go back and find find the frame of reference. But there was an outline and an expectation of when the classes would be delivered. And I know we had talked about it previously, and it escapes me in this moment right now. Um, but I do want to kind of revisit that and get it. And there's probably someone listening or watching right now, uh, listening later, watching now, watching later. Someone's going to be able to go pull this up. And so I'm, I'm looking for the champion of the cause right now who's going to do that because it's probably on the wiki somewhere. I just don't have it written down. It's killing me that I don't. But I need to go and find that out because I think that's an important frame of reference for us to like visit again here on the show to talk about, which is like when were they kind of talking about us seeing classes? Like what were the things they said we would see in Alpha 1, Alpha 2? Where are we at on the delivery of those things? And is it sort of like hitting the timetable and the timeline as expected or as presented for us to expect? So I think that's 
something I think that's important to do. I know we have a lot of conversations around, you know, what they're doing great. And we try to keep it really positive. This is one I think we do need to revisit, though, and kind of see, like, are we hitting the markers here? I know they weren't, like, concrete, but we did visit that, and they were kind of stated. So I think it's important for us to, like, kind of look at and everything. But, yeah, the the, the Ranger, uh, I, I think it's time. I definitely agree. I think it's time for the Ranger. Um, and I'm looking in chat right now as well. Um, I guess it's good to kind of hit on this one, right? Did you guys see the uh, the thing that was posted on Twitter? It wasn't posted in their Discord from from what I can uh, see. But did you all see this? Like talking about the, the, the chat log they're working on? I remember in the last live stream, in the last development live stream, we actually saw this different chat log on Steven's uh, game. This was a different client. When he was showing us what they were planning on doing, um, and changing combat and everything. And then they threw it into that last week of testing. We saw the tab. I, I saw it at least. I noticed it was there. In that current like build that he was running around on. But yeah, there's like a party. There's a global party siege um, guild and like log. And it, I don't know if there's like the ability to like actually go and create your own. And kind of like choose what's going to be in there. But Anyway, it's showing right here live. I'm showing it off to people. Um, if you're listening, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see what we're referencing specifically, but you kind of get the idea. Ninja log. What is this? Or what is this? What What is going on in chat? Was, was there a ninja off? tab on there? Is it, It's no. got to be hidden, right? <laughs> in smoke. You wouldn't know if it was actually there. All right. Thank you very much. There's no ninja log. It, it just pops out when you ninja something. It's like the genie from Aladdin. Poof, <laughs> what did you steal? Poof, what did you steal? Hey, see ya. What you doing there, Buster? It's like, what? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. But yeah, have you? what do you guys think of this so far? I mean, I know it's a small reference point, but yeah, it's good to see. It's kind of, this is like a lead into some of, thing, some of the things on today's show too, but thoughts and criticisms, feedback maybe for the team on this? I mean, I, I mean, I, I like that they're iterating. I think that's really good. Um, and and I like that they're not showing us everything now. They're just kind of giving us what they feel is ready to show. Because I would hate to see the progress stymied because mm. of like just a bunch of like negative feedback per se that isn't constructive. Because mm. they definitely didn't have everything perfect in the alpha test that they did mm -hmm. but they had enough where it was very feasible to test um there was enough content for testing there was enough variety of things to do um albeit they were in kind of pretty early iteration um but i'm i'm very interested to see what other kind of subtle things as they start showing more footage we can pull out have the community pull out and see if we can start connecting the dots a little bit more as they get further down the line uh for sure so uh so yeah good uh good stuff and good call outs for the folks that yes. are looking for this stuff because i i'm definitely not as observant i didn't even notice the guild chat bit until somebody mentioned it <laughs> yeah we're definitely gonna um, get get uh let's get uh, half tilt thoughts on this too and then i gotta read something from chat because we gotta follow up on the class discussion 
Uh, I, I never noticed the change myself because I didn't really pay attention to the chat window a whole heck of a lot. Um, but I, I, I like that the direction it's going um, and having tabs. I think organized chat is very important. Um, I, I would all I, I would love to see. I don't know that I've found a game that has this yet, but to be able to prioritize tabs yeah. so that I could say like, you know what, my party chat's number one or my guild chat's number one, party chat's number two, general chat is whatever siege is number three or something and then when a new message comes in that it just automatically changes over to that tab since you only ever see one at a time and it, if you leave one on and then you're busy doing stuff you're not going to see conversation that's going on in other ones you might miss something that's relevant so i would love to have a system that you can choose certain tabs to have a priority of which ones will flip over and then either flip back or ones that just simply it okay i don't care what happens in general chat don't ever auto flip to this one but if i'm on general and somebody says something in party or in guild flip to that but it's my choosing which how how i prioritize that yeah, yeah i i would just along those lines i think streamlining like the tell chat too because it definitely gets lost i mean one of the things that i really like about um is having like a separate window and not necessarily a pop-up because that could get annoying but at least something that kind of tracks or something in the ui that says hey you've got some pending tells um i think that's helpful to kind of keep people communicating um and then i agree with the kind of the the configurable tab swapping i think that would be you know pretty pretty nice too to be able to do or at least prioritize um because I'm one of those people, like I'll get in a WoW, for example, and I'll grab all of the public channels and throw them in one tab and label it spam. And only on an as needed basis will I go in there. Like if I absolutely have to look at general or trade or what have you, I will because it's just so much like volume and not necessarily high quality volume that I just don't want to deal with for sure. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the being able to actually create your own tab too and put what you want in there specifically is really cool. Uh, the mm -hmm. message of the day is actually really interesting that they got the little icon next to it. I'm not sure if that's something they're planning on like launching um, as part of like what's going on with guilds, um, but that that was pretty cool. I like that. I think that actually would be really sick. Wouldn't it be really cool? Is just like a thought too? Is like if there was a way with their you know their emblem sort of system that they got in the game to where it's like if you could upload whatever your you know your guild emblem is and then for like the message of the day you got like your little guild crest or something that'd be pretty sick that would be awesome yeah that actually be really fun that's pretty awesome yeah i would agree that would be fun within reason right mm, some people yeah. aren't necessarily good actors in that sense True. i mean i what i would also think would be really neat is if they did have like a lot of just like a character creator have some sort of emblem creator that gave you a lot of freedom mm. um you know, at least give you enough of a variety of assets from the game world in terms of like symbols and signs and what have you um, to be able to create something of your own there too, to make it unique to your guild. Definitely agree that having like an upload option, but I think it should be like upload, then approval, then put yeah. into the game world. Because I've never... It never a good outcome when you leave it so open because people will take advantage of that kind of thing and not in a way that is really immersive for anyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good point too. I mean, and I know that they do plan on like with their emblem system and everything, they do plan on like reviewing those before they're actually like, they have to be approved essentially. Um, mm -hmm. But that's all, yeah, it's a good point. Do you ever, do you feel like there's actually a game though where they've done a really just stellar job of that? Because I feel like that's some area that every MMORPG I've ever played that allows you to actually adjust like your tabard, your guild crest or whatever. I've never really felt like there's actually been a good, like aside from the ones you can upload, I know like arcade you could upload, right? But putting that aside, we're talking about like giving you a variety to kind of mix and match. I just don't feel like most MMOs really, it, it doesn't ever really feel that great for me. The only one that comes to mind, and again, I don't think it was like stellar by any stretch of the imagination, but one that I really liked was in Dark Age of Camelot being able to have a guild emblem and be able to put it on your um, cloak. That was, I mean, mm. that was awesome to me. Just be, and being able to die. I mean, I know other, a lot of games allow you to die armor, right? Guild Wars 2, et cetera. But I just like the options that it gave you once you had your appearance in that game. And it was basic as it was early in the MMO kind of genre, relatively early. But it was really cool to be able to kind of hop onto the R RVR battlefield, have your guild crest flowing from your back and like all similar colors with your guild mates. So you can point your guild mates out in a crowd. That would be a sight to see in uh, this world, uh, you know, of Vera in the future when we're doing castle sieges and um, node sieges, just to be able to see that representation. I mean, how awesome would that be? Yeah, it would be, be really sick. Cool. That would be super sick, man. God, man, so many, so many opportunities that they have, right, to really deliver on some things. It's like it's not like it's revolutionary or you know the most innovative thing, but it's just like these simple quality of life elements, or just you know, just these elements that you could have that aren't like I think about like the calendar system, right? That's like one of the ones that stands out to me. To me, that's like a no brainer to have in an MMORPG. So, but you know, we're, we're obviously talking long-term and, you know, I'm going to read over this topic here though. So, uh, which did do a, a good job of actually like linking, citing this off of the ashes wiki, um, cleric mage tank archetypes are, uh, available in alpha one, right? Obviously ranger may be added later in alpha one fighter bard rogue and summon archetypes will follow in later development phases after alpha one. And secondary archetypes will not be present in Alpha 1. We already know that and plan for Alpha 2. So secondary archetypes meaning what? Augmentation, Augmentation system, system. Yeah. I, I think that's a very key component of a foundational system in the game. So mm -hmm. absolutely it has to be to come in, in the Alpha stage, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I would argue Ranger and Summoner fall into that category as well. To a yeah. lesser extent, Rogue with the stealth mechanic. But Summoner, the pet control uh, system, I think is something fairly foundational that should be tested early mm -hmm. on. And obviously the Bose projectile system um, yeah. and just that kind of ranged mechanic versus spell casting is very important um, when it comes to combat testing as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something we were missing out on in Alpha 1 was like the bow, like actually having that to use. I'm like, man, it would have been it would have been fun to actually to actually have the opportunity to play with it. But I, I'm kind of wondering if it's because they're working out like which way they're planning on going with it, you know, because if you remember back in APOC when we used the bows and that like you essentially like had 
you know, you hit scan versus, you know, the physics orientation. So you had like the longbow, which was working more off like a physics. And then you had like the, what was it called? Um, it was the short bow though, but it was like, it starts with the N I think. Um, but it was like the short bow and actually ran like off hit scan. So, you know, people had preferences on that. I mean, I don't know exactly what direction they might go in that regard, but it's gonna be interesting to see what they actually do um, with the, you know, like the actual Q ability or the, you know, the weapon strike ability that you have for the classes, um, uh, not the classes, but for the weapons, um, you know, the wand obviously is like hurling like a magic little ball at them. And then you've got like, you know, your weapon swings for like your melee weapons, the bow. It's like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like and everything. Um, you know, especially when you go from tab, because tab is like pretty traditional. It's just a projectile. But the action orientation side, that's what I'm curious about. Um, that's, yeah. And I wonder, I don't think you can have the mechanic change as you toggle back and forth between mm. tab abilities and action abilities. Yeah. And having a projectile that can miss on a tab target, how is it going to be a heat-seeking arrow that just tracks to the target? <laughs> exactly. And based on your accuracy dodge checks yeah. or is it going to be hit scan which would fall in line with a tab target projectile whereas in action combat if it's hit scan uh, that that really it feels sloppy it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like an engaging uh, form of combat if i can if there's no ballistics behind the arrow right that's for me that's a big big testing with the bow is the ballistics factor yeah. do i have to arc my shot to get to a longer range. I certainly hope so. Because for me, that's a skill shot. That's a talented thing to be able to do. But yeah, in a tab target environment, I don't know. Now I know some abilities are going to be more geared towards tab targeting. Some are going to be ge yeah. geared more towards action mm -hmm. uh, combat as well. But for me, this is why I want the Ranger in here the most is because this is there's a lot of testing and variations. And I think you really need to take a lot of people's opinions on how this is going to work in a hybrid system. Yeah, I would double down on that comment with all the base classes and getting them into mm -hmm. a testing cycle as early as possible. Yeah, I mean. I am totally like jonesing to have like the whole system in, but at least give us a few months of really thoroughly testing and maybe more like several months really thoroughly testing the base classes yeah um especially with this i mean because it's yeah fairly yeah. straightforward to have like you know tank damage heals right generally like i totally agree with your commentary on the hunter uh, pardon me the the ranger class um because there's a lot of mechanics they really need to work out there but just in general the class dynamics and even just the baseline balancing is going to be super important to get all the classes in as soon as possible um because when you're adding a support element um depending on how powerful that support element is it could potentially completely negate some mechanics um you know from mobs and from mm -hmm. bosses that they need just fine tune, right? Because you don't want any one class necessarily to totally cancel out a boss mechanic. You want to be able to play off of each other. And that's going to be where I think they're going to need to spend the most time 
with the combat system once they come up with a baseline for all the classes is just really getting some feedback there and seeing if their theory around a hybrid system you know holds enough water where it makes sense uh, but yeah that's something that i think is i'm really waiting for and i think a lot of people are because we've talked about ranger but there's you know bard and summoner um definitely are ones that have their own um, nuances as well because if you mess up pet mechanics and how they work and the ai is like not up to par which again not as likely you know in the later part of the development but definitely early on it's gonna basically you know uh negate the entire class for some time in people's view yeah. and that would be to me like i'm not necessarily a pet classes person to be honest but I would have a feels bad moment if that wasn't something that was really iterated on and had some depth as a system. I don't want it to be something like I've seen in other games where the pet is just like, you know, an extra bit of DPS with no real, um, you know, yeah. mechanic to it or just an extra health bar, right? That, um, you know, that kind of thing where it's very simple. Um, and then as far as like the bard, um, I, I think too, there's a lot of potential there to go one way or the other in terms of good or bad. And I, I know they've, they've taken a lot of um, experience from what, you know, games like EverQuest, like they had a lot of their folks came from Sony um, in entertainment. And, and I would really love to see kind of how they're planning to deal with that class. Cause that also to me feels like it could go horribly wrong if it's not properly balanced and there isn't the right feel to it uh, as well. Yeah. You know, when you think about the fact that like a summoner is essentially going to help to fill the roles that might be missing in a group makeup. I mean, it's something to talk about, right? You could, Cause you could have a, they could summon creatures that could potentially tank, you know, have a tank element to them or like a healing element to them or supplemental DPS or whatever. But you think about the roles like a tank or a healer, right? I don't, I don't, I mean, for me anyway, um, I don't really like the just, it just sits there and kind of does it automatically. I, I think that takes away from the skill of the player. I think part of the skill of the player is having to actually manage, like, you know, it's like another thing to manage. And that's the skill of a summoner is that I, I've got this creature I summon, and now I've got to, you know, manage its cooldowns or its skills or its resources or whatever, you know, maybe I've even got a command where I'm you know, placing it or whatever. Cause you know, so it's not standing in fire. Cause like I think about right now, um, in games I've played and, you know, it's like one of the, the things that I always have thought is that it just automatically having the pet, like I think in, in world of Warcraft, the hunter pet it'll it'll like basically it's attacking what you're attacking and it'll automatically run up there and do its thing it'll stick to it it'll do the damage and when it's dead it falls back to your side you know and you can command and place where you want that pet to be which is like that's really cool right but when it's only working in the way in which it just is by your side and then it shoots over and does a thing or it sits there and does damage and shoots and it you can't really like position it then i think you miss a real big opportunity on the you know the 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 player um having to uh utilize their own skill set to to manage all of that and it makes it you know more challenging for their 
their experience. And it's probably, you know, from, from my perspective, a class that's got a higher skill, um, cap, you know what I mean? It's not like maybe another, uh, another class that maybe it's a little bit more straightforward. Usually mages, uh, like fighters, you know, things like that. They're, they tend to be a little more straightforward, not always, but they tend to pretty typically be more straightforward. So they're like an easier entry class to play. Whereas something like a, a summoner usually isn't, or, you know, for the most part, not always, but usually it's like, you've got to get in there and you got more to manage. You've got more to understand, like maybe, uh, the benefit of your experience in tanking or healing and doing damage allows you to now, you know, have these skill, the skill set that makes you able to kind of hit that higher bar of skill required to play a summoner and to do it effectively. These are all the things that in my mind, when I think about bouncing around between, so when you go back to reiterating upon or iterating upon in general, yeah, like I think of a summoner, I'm like, definitely need time on this one to have the players to test it specifically as it is just a base summoner before you even get into all the other stuff. Cause that's one of the classes I think specifically is going to have a lot of, uh, I think probably a lot of work. And I think that if the bard is going to genuinely be approached in the way that they've talked about it, that one's probably another one that's going to require a good bit of, of work as well, depending on what they're planning with the rogue. Um, that could also be the case. I, and I feel like if they really want those variations for the rogue that they're aiming to have, probably going to require the same level of work. I think, um, fighter, I don't know fighter. I don't know that could just, we could already be testing elements for the fighter with the tank as it is right now. Who knows? But, um, I, I think that's a big thing too, with the design process yeah. is there's been a very structured flow mm. to class implementation where we have a tank and a cleric and a mage right now to deal with the basics of the Trinity mm. system. True. Because a fighter is an iteration of the melee combat, which the tank shows a rogue is an iteration of the fighter. Uh, the, the bard is a bit of an iteration of the cleric. It, it, kind of a hybrid where you have a buff mechanic, you have that support mechanic in there. Yes. So it can be an iteration of that. The summoner, even the ranger, I suppose, to an extent could be an iteration of the mage, but I feel like it's yeah. kind of a hybrid thing. It's, 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 it, it should be its own classification there. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's where the summoner comes into play is because the summoner is supposed to be able to fill that Trinity system. So getting those core functionalities down, working out those collision mechanics, the basic mobility in a melee situation versus a ranged casting situation, how heals are effective when they're cast on a, a target specifically versus an area of effect um, template type of cast. These are all things that the, the summoners summons can build off of. So I think that we should probably see the summoner once those are all kind of fleshed out, but I agree hundred percent. We need the summoner in there sooner than later because that pet control mechanic, I think is a very, very key component. And Absolutely. I've heard people saying that, you know what, I don't want to have to deal with micromanaging a pet. You know what, then don't play a summoner. Yeah. Because I, I think yeah. exactly as you said, that's the skill cap. I agree. Should the pet be able to go in there and do a basic job of hitting something or casting a basic heal when you get below a threshold of HP? Sure. That that you're going to be a very casual, mediocre mm -hmm. summoner if that's all you're relying on. But what's going to make you a great summoner and extremely deadly and dangerous in a PvP environment, especially where you're not just doing a basic rotation or filling a hole, 
is your ability to actually micromanage your, as you said, your pet's abilities, cooldowns, and resources. And, and being able to position that pet, target it on the right things, generate the proper abilities. And I would love to see a lot of synergy come out of the summoner itself. Because my understanding from what I've read about the summoner is that the pet is going to be a large focus, but you will, as you're the player of the class, will still have abilities yourself. So I want to see abilities that I can cast on my targets that actually enhance yeah. my pet's yes. performance against that target. Yeah. Is I want to see a synergy there that I yeah. am one with my pet and that we actually, like there's a hive mind yeah. effect here almost. And I think that would be really, really cool to see. Totally but the cool. micromanaging of the pet, man, that needs to be there. That is what the class is about. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't play it. Yeah. There's other yeah. classes where you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. And it's still ranged classes that cast spells. Go play a mage. Yeah, you can be an amazing mage. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and you can still augment stuff too. You can augment mm -hmm. with the summoner and, yep. and have a little bit of flavor that way where you probably have a lot less micromanaging of pets and you have more of that basic uh, third-party presence uh, from pets when you augment with uh, the summoner. We'll have to see. Yeah, yes. totally. So Something you said, Half Tilt, made me think of a couple of things, definitely. And it was kind of going in my mind as we were talking about pet classes in general. Uh, and and honestly, I could equate this to the Bard, too. Uh, if they're passive in terms of play style, I feel like they're going to fail. Um, you know, mm -hmm. definitely, in my opinion. Like, I've played, like, Bard-type classes before. Um, particularly in Dark Age of of Camelot, and that, for the most part, at least the you know the style I played that I was kind of getting used to was more passive. But at some point, it just got boring, and I went to a different class that was more active in nature, uh, and, and kind of on the along those lines too. Um, well, actually, related to something else you said, half tilt. I would also caution the team um to make each of the base classes play markedly different and be unique you're going to have the variants you're going to be able to bring the flavor of any other you know secondary class in but definitely make if i was kind of got a little bit of ptsd honestly when you said the cleric plays like the bard and vice versa like in fundamentally, I will lose my mind because that that doesn't. While the cleric is fun, and I love playing the cleric, when I want to play a cleric, I'll play a cleric. When I want to play a bard, I'll play a bard, and that to me feels like a completely different skill set, completely different play style. Um, I almost equate it similar to like what was in City of Heroes, right, with the defender versus the controller there was definitely like a difference in my opinion um i mean it could have been greater um but the bottom line is each class played in a unique way and had a unique skill set that you couldn't get with any other base class uh so i hope that's what they're really going for to differentiate because if we have just some homogenization of the classes in any way shape or form i feel like i'm not going to be as in enjoy that or i won't enjoy the game as much because if i could play a cleric and get the benefits of a cleric and it plays exactly like a bard what's my incentive 
right, to play a bard. I really want to have an incentive to play each class because it kind of scratches that itch for each type of play style. Absolutely. I, I, I do very much agree. I hope there's a very big difference. I, I was more so talking just about the the hashing out the basic mechanics yep. of like when I cast an ability on a party, this is how it happens, right? Like I absolutely hope that the bard is a, is its own unique flavor. I want to see like AOE buffs and I have to position myself around the group, around the raid to provide the right buff to the yeah. right people at the right time. And I still have to pay attention to mechanics and I can, I'm still a, actively in the fight. I don't, not, not just a passive guy sitting on the back, chucking out heels or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. So I very much agree. I want the bar to be its own crazy, unique thing. I just meant from like a basic functionality of the mechanics of how I cast abilities on a party, how they affect a party member, that type of thing. That, that, oh, that, oh yeah. I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. No, no, I was totally like, it just made me think of that like scenario, but I totally agree where you're coming from or totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I just was wanting to say this is more like for the developers to kind of hear this feedback is let's really like make a choice to make each of these classes like a markedly different play style that you can tweak as you like with your secondary, with your augmentations to kind of get it somewhere in between, but definitely there should be some pol polarization, I guess, of each of the classes. So, you know, oh yeah, that that's a bard or that's a cleric, right? You've got that class identity, but you've also got your room to be creative with your build. Yeah, it totally resonates, man. I, I just, I think, you know, going back over and over, we talk about how like these classes like have, they're so unique and they're, they want to do something genuinely different with them. And so if you really do want to, you know, stay the course on that commitment, this is like vital for sure. Vital to, to have that time to get in there and just really try it out to really work on, you know, the iterations and the, the fine tuning, which also makes me wonder, like, you know, if we're talking alpha alphas is when we're going to do this for the base classes. Anyway, we even talk about augmentation, you know, as a part of that whole, dynamic towards the end of like maybe an alpha two well where does that leave us realistically on this timeline that we kind of talked about a bit we don't know exactly where we're at on the timeline we know we hit the we hit the goalpost of a no nda period where ash's alpha one is showcaseable which is great now the question in my mind is where are we at on in the grand scheme of things you know like where are we at on this time timeline and I think that a lot of people are wondering that as well. And I, I'm hoping that's something that we get some clarity on, even if it's just loose clarity, right? It's still clarity on is kind of where we find that we're at as a result of getting through Alpha One. I am hoping that they talk about that. Um, and I am hoping that they start to have more discussions moving forward around the classes. And, you know, it would be good. Like we still have like the blog news posts and things that they're planning on doing articles on. Um, if we are indeed in this transition period from alpha one to alpha two, not that they said specifically that's what's happening, but if, if the, the general like mindset of this is where we're, when I mean, we're clearly navigating from one to two now, don't know exactly where we're at, but if this stuff is outlined, if they've got it, a presentation, like this is a good time to start to fill in the gaps of testing with those articles. Now I know they've talked about them already, 
which which article specifically we're gonna we're gonna see moving forward that's uh that is a we know some of them right but what what's on the agenda now i am very curious about that um okay let's let's take a step here we we we're talking about classes this was a bit of an extra added bonus to today's show because we have very very loose bullet points and things we're guided upon but we did talk about this we were like I don't know. We don't have a whole lot today. And we're all kind of like, yeah, but we'll probably talk a lot about this. So <laughs> segue to what we kind of visited upon earlier. And we'll talk about that, which is something I've read on the forums recently. It's talking about CC effects and RNG as a component of that. For example, I don't view this as RNG. Now, some someone was talking about, I think, Gully or Gully or something uh, was their name on the forums. Um, was saying something about essentially, um, you know, there should be RNG for CC effects. And I think that the reference was actually about testing alpha one. And I think there's a very big difference and it's very important to outline. Now I'm not too sure exactly because it was a very loose frame of reference from what I had read. Um, but I do want to make this note. There's a difference between, um, RNG and an NPC character in the game or just a mob or whatever you're fighting, boss or otherwise, having a set of stats that are contributing to why you miss. Like every CC, I don't think should land perfectly. I think in some regards, it's important that certain things do miss because of a lot of things. What are your stats? Are you geared right? Are you specced right to, you know, for these things to be landing consistently like they should? That's all. I mean, it's very different compared to like, I mean, there being like a dice roll, like you see in some situations in games, like um, Baldur's Gate, for example, things of those, you know, games like that, where it's a literal dice roll on whether this is going to land or not, versus you miss because stats matter. And they the the mob you're fighting has stats as well. I think those are very important points. But pros and cons for um, CCs landing or not landing, basing it on stats versus RNG dots. I know it's a loose topic, but we did kind of hit on that a little bit earlier, sort of. I would say it depends on the difficulty of the content. Um... And that maybe adds a layer to the difficulty uh, if that uh, if a CC doesn't land. Um, so I guess me personally, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind some RNG. I would just want it not to be totally random. Like, you, you know, you were saying is there's some sort of that mix you need to look for to really make sure you're optimally hitting and and make that be, um, you know, definitely something that is. Uh, you know, that is something you can experiment with over time. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, definitely makes sense to me that they have some sort of thought behind it. Uh, so yeah, that would, that would be my take. Yeah. All right. I could go on a RNG for a long time. I play a mobile game. It's a gotcha game. I deal with RNG like crazy and it, and it drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into all that. RNG, uh, I, I will, when you, when you have stats, let's, let, let's take accuracy and resistance. Okay. If I'm going to cast an ability that has a 5% chance to stun on an, on an enemy, 
if I have 100% accuracy, they have 100% resistance. Mm -hmm. That To me, that's a 50-50. That's a dice roll. It's 50-50 whether or not it's going to land. Now, the, the, the preceding factor in that is there's a 5% chance that it's going to activate. Is how I it's how I perceive that five percent. Um, so if I have a five percent chance when I cast my skill, there's a dice roll. Essentially, there's a ninety five percent chance that that it will not activate the stun. Once the stun is activated, then you go through an accuracy resistance check. This is how I understand mm-hmm. a lot of these things to work. Yeah. So you're dealing with two factors of RNG there. Now, if you've designed a build for yourself where you rely on these CC things. You have the human factor. When things do or do not land, it either feels good. You damn yeah, it landed perfect. I can pull off my combo. Yeah, I can get my kill. I'm talking more so from a PvP standpoint than a PVE here. Yeah. When it doesn't land and you lose, that's a rage. You feel bad. You get upset. There's that's the human emotions aspect of it that has to be considered. Now. There's always going to be a a misconception of even in a 50-50 scenario that it feels really imbalanced, that it feels like you lose more than you win because those those stick out in your mind more often. The biggest thing that Intrepid can do when dealing with this, because it's inevitable, it's going to be in the game. You cannot have these mechanics unless it's either guaranteed it's going to miss when it goes up against this type of stat or it's a guaranteed it's going to land because you have 100% accuracy. Mm. Right. If it, there has to be counterplay, that that is how it works. The how these things are calculated and the the factors and their weighting in the, the equation, I think needs to be public knowledge. That's when it's in the code, you can't argue with it. You can't argue that oh oh well that guy's got better RNG than you know what maybe he's luckier. Maybe it was luckier in that fight, but over the course of a hundred fights, over the course of a thousand fights, it's gonna it's gonna even out. The 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 part for me, aside from being open and honest about the calculation, is the sample size of how it's balanced or or to be perceived as balanced has to be relative to the content that you're playing. If I can do realistically, let's say ten arena matches a day. But my 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 ability to land my stun is is balanced over the course of a thousand matches. That could lead to a lot of days where I'm feeling like I am just getting shit on mm-hmm. by by R and Jesus, and and th- I think that the sample size that they balance behind is is so incredibly important, and there has to be some type of hidden diminishing return mechanic in there. To help balance that out um, over the course of matches. Now, the 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 flip side to that, the other argument is, and this is the nightmare that I have gone back and forth for seven years playing this other game. When 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 that hidden mechanic kicks into play, you're you're probably fighting somebody completely different than you were the first time. Where are they at on the spectrum? So how do you balance this? This is the nightmare. RNG is going to be there, guys. I think the best thing they can do is, like I said, show how the calculations are done when it comes to these things so that we know we have an understanding and we can design our builds and expectations around that appropriately to help manage the human emotional element of it and and just 
you know what, take the bonuses when they come. Now, if you're casting something like a, a, a sheep, like the wow mages uh, polymorph ability, you expect that to land more often than not, right? Like it's a hundred percent activation chance yeah. unless they have high resistance, it shouldn't get resisted or if they're way out level you or something, I don't know. Yeah, no. So this is a good, so this is a good tie in here, right? So we have this discussion about like how things land or they don't land, how that's, uh, you know, how that's diminishing returns is a big thing too. think about like doing PVP, for example, in World of Warcraft, you're doing arenas and you get sapped, but then like they can sap you again, but then it's for less time. They sap you again for less time. And then the sap doesn't even work, right? Which is if you don't know about World of Warcraft, sap is essentially like a rogue's ability to like daze you and get you stunned stunned so you're sitting there with this little swirling thing over your head waiting for it to wear off uh meanwhile they can chop chop slice and dice you yeah i love sap on my rogue in world of warcraft when i used to play rest in peace uh wow but talking about pulling right so we think about meaningful uh uh combat in raids or dungeons um we know that they don't plan on having add-ons right they know that there's a hard line against that we know that Situational awareness is going to be very important. We also know that the encounters are going to be important because if you're not paying attention, if you're not looking for the tells like the cleaves and things like that, if you're not communicating, you're probably not going to progress very far. You're going to be DED dead, right? On arrival to that boss or whatever. But then we think about RNG on CCs. Well, if we want to actually have to CC a mob because look right now, even in alpha one, the mob's kind of rough, man. Like genuinely it'll, it'll kind of hurt. You get stun locked and beat down. Then you got these golden clips of me escaping while Daedalus dies. You know, you got moments like this that occur. It's great entertainment, but it kind of feels bad if that's like your, your regular uh, scenario. Cause you're getting stun locked by these. And we know stun locking isn't going to be a thing. In the game, we know that, right? However, when you think about pulling a mob, right? I, I do appreciate when you have to have a, the right party makeup. You need to use CCs, right? Um, as opposed to line of sight pulling and just going and like going, all right, I'm going to pull this. Everybody tuck behind this wall. We're going to let it come to us and we're going to nuke it down. Like, I like the approach of having to use like your hunter trap. Like in World of Warcraft, you use a hunter trap and you use like a polymorph, right? Or you get you know, some sort of like elemental effect to lock something down and now it's stuck there. You daze it, um, you sap it, whatever. And now you go, you you deal with each of these creatures or, or whatever in the mob one at a time until you eliminate them all based on their threat to your party and then you progress forward. I love that. I absolutely love that, right? That's a huge skill element to uh, progressing through content. But it's not typically what you see these days, unfortunately. You can pretty much cheese it, line of sight, pull, nuke everything out, and go through. Um, I was watching um, an Elder Scrolls stream recently, like over the weekend, and they did a speed run. It was cool. It was actually a fun event, but it was a it was it kind of was a bit of a bummer because they were speed running. I was like, and I remember watching this, and I was going, man, this you know nuking everything. It's still cool because it's a speed run, but also I'm like man, this would be so much more interesting and would teach people so much more about their classes and what they should do in these different scenarios. If you actually had to do that in this game, all the people would then learn like, well, this per they got through it quickly because they, they did this, you know, they locked down this target. They did this, they did that, 
right? And all these other elements that, you know, they could have had to have done and coordinated. It would have been a great learning experience, but instead it was more about, you know, well, what do they got on so they can kind of essentially burn through it all really quick and sort of in some capacity remove that element that I view as skill, not to say that they weren't skilled players, right? But that element of skill being a factor, <clears throat> it wasn't there, sadly. Um, in regard to how they had to manage the mobs and stuff like that, because you could just sort of nuke through it, sadly. Um, anyway, I don't know, man. W what are your thoughts, though, on, like, you know, line of sight pulling, uh, dealing with mobs? Uh, where's the good balance, and what, what should we, in your mind, see in Ashes? Well, maybe one more quick point, because I yeah. really like um, the ideas that Half Tilt had around like illuminating us to some of the logic or the calcs like behind this, or at least giving us something to base our builds on. I was actually thinking it would be a really cool idea since this very much feels like an open kind of massive RPG, like with that type of style, even with the questing, it would be really cool to have like a rule book that we could get um you know as well that's a kind of our instruction manual but it's kind of all those real basics like not giving you like every nuance but at least giving you enough where you can base a build off of um as far as your your other question i mean i do agree that getting quickly getting to a point where content is trivial is not fun it may be fun for like a time dude to say hey look at this dungeon we just like wiped the you know floor with everybody with and you know we cleared it that was so cool but then after a while you're like oh this is boring i have to clear this dungeon again because i'm farming something or what have you mm -hmm. right it would really be good to get some interesting strategy i mean los pulling is a strategy um it's not necessarily like my favorite but i think it probably will have a place in in hashes but I would like to see some more um, interplay, like we were talking about before, like the different classes and what they can bring to the table that might make that speed run more interesting. Maybe it's a, um, you know, a class defining skill, like clearing a poison area, like they showed us in yeah. like the early iterations or finding a secret door with a rogue or you know, removing an illusion enchantment with a mage. I mean, these are the kind of things that would make every dungeon run, whether it, even whether it's instanced or, you know, not, much more interesting because you're like, okay, who do we have in our party? We know these certain tips and tricks that we can use. Yeah. Not to totally cheese content, don't get me wrong here, but it's still like something that would make it interesting to say, Look at let's look at the makeup of our party. Let's come up with some strategy, um, and really yeah. just make the encounters more dynamic. Absolutely, yeah. And the utility skills I think are going to be huge anyway, and we already know that. And I think that being meaningful, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I really want to see a lot of interactive play with those yes. class, out of combat ability skills, especially mm -hmm. in your dungeons and your runs. So that said, I line of sight pulling is gonna as long as there's line of sight in the game which i hope there is uh, there is currently in alpha one anyway um it is kind of gonna be a thing i really like the idea of you know maybe not every single pack of trash mobs that you pull especially when you're doing a dungeon run for the hundredth time right. if you have to sit there and 
micromanage everybody and how they're interacting with every trash bowl, that's going to be very tedious. and It's going to take a long time when you've done it for the hundredth time, you're going to be over it. Um, at that point, you've challenged the content, you've beat it. So carry on. So any, anyway, so yeah, I absolutely hope there's absolutely things that you need to do, like sap this target, distract the target or sleep something yeah. or sheep something, or, you know, uh, bind this thing over here, lock it down with a frost over whatever it is. I hope that there's absolutely play to kind of break up a pack because you need to. Otherwise when they are fighting together, mm -hmm. they are a very strong force, just like fighting your own party kind of thing. I expect that we will see that. I hope that's a thing. Maybe not with every poll, but enough. Um, they've talked a lot about how if you go in and you just stomp the floor uh, of a boss, clear it in no time with ease, that the next boss is going to be harder. I hope that maybe the trash leading up to the next boss is harder as well. Maybe you and, and not just higher level. They don't. They're not. They don't just take more hits but they actually have maybe some additional mechanics. Maybe there's a bit more synergy uh, or group power when they're together and you have to try to separate them. Maybe you need an off tank to pull somebody aside and just occupy their attention for a little bit. And that's gonna now play into having a tank, somebody in your party that has a tank secondary because they can now generate a little bit of extra threat so they can hold something over here. Maybe mages can do that. There was the mage tank uh, boss in, in Gruul's Lair and WoW. Yeah. That was a really cool extra mechanic that brought something mm -hmm. neat to the raid that required you to have a competent mage that can do this, not just somebody who can sit there and spam Frostbolt <laughs> for 15 minutes until the boss dies or you die because you didn't move out of the way. You know, it having those types of extra things, I think is going to be really important, but line of sighting, I think can have its advantage. If you can do pull off a lot of those CC effects when things are in transit, it, that was one thing in wow, like you couldn't sap something when it was in combat. So the second you pulled something out of the pack and then line of sighted it, you couldn't sap it anymore. And it would be cool to be able to still do that. Um, maybe it's not considered in combat. It's just, Hey, we heard something or we saw something. Let's go over there and check it out. It's not in combat yet. You're on high alert. Maybe they have an increased resistance. <laughs> Put the dice roll in there in the enemy's favor in the, in that sense uh, to any CC effects. Yeah, Absolutely. like even like a vanish capability or something that because cause you maybe to reset. So they might be in combat with other, like it might be attacking your healer or attacking one of your ranged DPS that you could jump in and like, you know, kidney shot it or something. I mean, I'm oh God, using loud terms because that's the, yeah, yeah, I love that's it. the only thing that I could, you know, I'm familiar with in terms of like, you know, recent MMOs that I've really played. And so, yeah, I would love to see that kind of, again, strategy that you can employ that can be like those clutch moves that make for great stories. I think that's, my um my point when i talked about earlier and and you also have talked about it being a very active game in terms of things where you have to quickly get creative improvise i mean those are the kind of you know stories that make an mmo experience in my opinion and it creates exciting gameplay you know so many times playing my rogue in in wow classic that I'd be doing a raid or a dungeon with a group and the healer would, would or even uh, the major or something would pull an enemy and mm -hmm. I would peel off and yeah, go throw a kidney shot on it or a cheap shot, a, you know, vanish and cheap shot, stop it in its tracks 
lock it down and I, then either get grab its aggro, hopefully whatever had its aggro, I was able to overcome that, pull it back over to the tank or simply off tank it myself and evasion tank it and, and you know, saving their life so that they could continue the fight instead of just sitting there and be like, duh, 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 I'm just going to sit here and focus on my skull target because that's what I'm told to do. You know, and then boom, somebody dies in your party because they pulled aggro. And if it's your healer, what do you do? <laughs> they needed to heal something. That's why they pulled threats. So having that, the need for players to adapt in those situations, I think is so important to that engaging gameplay. Yeah. And that's part of what van made vanilla really fun for me as a player, too. Um, you know, you know, Paladins had a really. I identity crisis in that game <laughs> right in vanilla yeah. but still there was those moments that you could you know clutch tank something or you know depending on what your spec was so there was still those opportunities that i feel like are missing um in the retail game today um i, I haven't gone back to classic because there's maybe other reasons why but but that type of engaging gameplay where you can make choices and that can turn the tide, I think would be, you know, the the right use of a, an ability would, I think, again, make it for, an, like you said, very engaging gameplay. It's what, you know, good MMO stories are all about is that, you know, clutch ability, you know, me or others have casted that just turned the tide of us, you know, from a complete wipe. Um, yeah, so... I think we're we're on the same page there. That is really important to have that type of uh, feel for the combat and for the encounters. Yeah, you know, I think when we were talking too about the CCing the mobs, right? Like, yeah, I agree with like what Half Tilt was saying as well about like you know you don't want it for everything, but when we know that like progressively, the further you get in, it gets more difficult. I mean, that's a perfect, you know. And I also think like too. If I kind of also wonder how that that interplay will work out too with like the open world dungeons and things of that nature, where which leads us into the next real point here to talk about as well. We, we know that a large part, very very the majority, like eighty percent, right of of the content, like dungeons etc., are going to be like open world. Like you can just get in there and do it. Right, we know that progressively, the further you get in, the more difficult it gets. I also wonder about the interplay between well, what happens if some other group tries to get through bypass and they've got a well, if you've got things like these mechanics of CC in place, when you get further in, now you've got more danger for another group trying to bypass the party that's actually working on things to where they're going to, you know, they're going to have to like contribute as well. Otherwise it's going to aggro onto whoever breaks that. Right. Whether it's like proximity who gets too close, whether it's like, cause you know, you were too close whenever the CC ran out um, or something like that. So it, it could get very messy. You know, if you got someone just trying to rush through and bypass them to get further in, well, now you've got reasons that that just isn't going to work out very well. Cause if you got to see CC things along the way, the further you get in and these things are more and more difficult and you really got to have that skill to pull it off. Then I think that adds a layer of interactivity between, you know, potential opposing groups as well to where it's not so simple as just bypassing the group that's there to go steal the kill. Um, 
But, you know, here we go. Here's our segue into, well, when we talk about Ashes of Creation's design on dungeons, um, where do we strike the balance, at least in our minds, of what is, I don't know, just best practices in, in open world versus instanced? Where do you think it's extremely important that instance exists for content? Right. When we know that 80% of, you know, dungeons specifically here are going to be open world. Right. What, what should those, uh, the other percentage then be that is specifically instanced to where you don't have that open world interactivity be there. Um, and we could apply this to both PVP and PV. Now PVP, I think it, to me, is pretty straightforward. It's going to be like the arena styled stuff, like your, you know, brackets of 5v5 or 3v3 or, you know, whatever you want to do there. But with PvE, I think it's, you know, maybe not as straightforward and easy to kind of make that determination for everybody. I think it gets trickier when you talk about PvE because then you've got, well, theme park versus, you know, sandbox and open world versus like instance. What do you guys think? What, what do you feel like the balance for ashes is going to be important to, you know, really weigh on those two factors? Well, as far as like open world, I mean, I, I kind of go back to one of their like main pillars in their design. And it's really about meaningful conflict and meaningful choices and, and I would really, you know, like to see an experience, you know, in an open world dungeon as you get delve deeper, it becomes like, you know, more and more difficult. And there might be another group there and you can choose to be their ally or you can choose to be their enemy. But maybe there's an incentive to be their ally versus being their enemy. Or maybe there's an incentive to being their enemy. I don't know. But I think just being able to have you know, those different choices, I think would be really good. And, and I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about how I feel about a majority of the dungeons being open world. I did experience open world dungeons in other games. And, you know, the design was kind of, in my opinion, hit or miss. It was as like some uh, cicada, I believe said in chat, dungeons are mostly grinding spots. And that's yeah. what these dungeons were in the experiences that mm -hmm. I've had. I would prefer it to be like, um, and I, I don't want people to get like a negative connotation if they're not a fan of this style of gameplay. Um, but I did really like the roguelike aspects initially of what World of Warcraft did um, with, uh, you know, that mechanic. Mm. Uh, and, and I think I didn't like exactly the way they implemented it. But being able to delve deeper into a dungeon and having maybe, I don't want to say different modifiers, depending on how you do, would make it an interesting and different experience. I think the way it was implemented in WoW, to me, just still felt like, you know, checking the box and type of implementation. It didn't feel like there was mm -hmm. a ton of thought behind it, at yeah. least in my opinion. Um, others may feel differently about that, but I would like to be able to kind of have that experience where I can choose to go one way or the other. I could choose to ally with another party or not. Um, you know, those kind of things I think would make the experience really interesting. And I would prefer having some instance content, maybe to be like an 
some sort of narrative delivery device or part of a class quest or that I can, you know, ask my friends to help me with or something like that, where there's still like a place for that, where I can have those options. And I would like to have, you know, at least up to a point, some level of loot equivalence to that. But regardless, right, you're still going to need to party with people to do either of those contents. I don't like those um, quests that just throw you in a, you know, instance and you just get a bunch of NPCs and that's how it plays out. Yeah. I still want the instance content to be able to be something that I coordinate with other people to go and do. Um, I would just like, you know, there's like a, a level at which I can get a certain type of gear or a reward from an instance content. I can maybe get a better grade if I go into those open world dungeons and have those other choices, have those other risks for greater rewards. Yeah, I wanted to read off something Cicada had said in chat too, um, which I know I saw Half Tilt was kind of responding to, but it said, feel like Asha should have instanced dungeons for story content and obtaining entry-level in-game gear. Um, you know, or else like the WoW player base might be pretty disappointed with that. And I don't know, man, you know, I like look at the, I, I want, I think from my perspective, I want the most difficult content to be the instant stuff. I think that's kind of what I want. I, I want that because I, I do appreciate the weekly raid lockout framework. I, I do like that. I, I think there's tons of opportunities for open world raiding in Ashes already, like tons. Um, and I think they're going to provide a lot of opportunities for that too. Um, and I still think that's going to be a majority. I just would really like the weekly raid lockouts. I, hey man, you may not agree with me on this. It's totally fine. This is just what vibes for me. I love knowing like, okay, lockouts open today, right? You get one shot at your gear in here. If you get the bosses down, right? And when you get them, you get them. And I like the, I like that lockout vibe for like the this i'm I'm talking like the most difficult stuff right we could still keep it to where um maybe the 20 percent of the dungeons that we can do like i'm kind of reading here like maybe the 20 percent really really work towards like getting you this like these these sets maybe that are like really vital to being entry level into that really tough stuff and and the difficulty level doesn't take away from some of the open world content that's that could even be equally difficult, but maybe some of this, you know, these like the, the instant stuff is like, all right, people can't interact with you here. This is on you and your group on whether this is going to happen. And the most difficult, maybe even the most difficult 40 person rating content is like that instant stuff where like, it's the group that, that forms, that gathers, that goes in and just puts the work in. And it's just them and it's this element here. And it could just be like, it could be the pri you know, the primary antagonist and stuff like that. I'd be that'd be cool. I mean, I'd be cool with that. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot of the content. I mean, and I mean 20%, if you think about it, like if 10 if 20% of the really tough stuff is the instant stuff. That's pretty significant for a game at launch. That's like, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good content. I think about like ESO, right? Public dungeons. Like you go in, you open the door, other people are there. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. 
They've got the public group dungeon event, one per zone, one public dungeon um, that's there for each zone on the map. And there's like a, now to be fair, you don't <laughs> in a lot of situations even need like a group for the group event in there because people can just, they're so overpowered at this point. People just go through and they just melt everything. But there's usually like a little bit of like a mechanic in place and you go in and there's a public event in the public dungeon and you get like a skill point and there's like special achievements for completing it. I think stuff similar to that, not that exact same thing, but similar to that for like these open world dungeons could be like really, that could be fun. That could be really rewarding uh, for players aside from, you know, other things that you could get like material drops or whatever. But man, I mean, even if Ashes only has 20% instanced, that's still like a lot of stuff, man. I mean, that's a lot of like instance content that could be potentially extremely difficult locked to a group. Um, that's my preference. Um, I think it's important that there is a element of the game that is locked to the groups that form to take it on that, you know, there's a lock on the gear that drops similar to like traditional, like world of Warcraft's a good example. You got a raid lock, you know, set for your character, set for the group. You know, when you clear bosses, you get this. I know, I know some people may not like it. Some people like personal loot drops and all that. We're going to put all that to the side. I just, I would really like that 15 to 20% of that locked instant stuff to be that like world first stuff that like every time they have a new content patch, this is the stuff you go in and you're like this for the in game people is like the really tough content that gets delivered that you got to work really hard to go with a group. I mean, especially with a 40 person group to go and accomplish and defeat them and, and, and conquest that that's what I'm hopeful for. Um, we haven't really had the opportunity to see any of that stuff yet. I am curious when we'll get our first shot at an instanced thing. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about that? I think the only thing that I would add on to that um, is make it worth my time. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely can't stand about the current WoW gameplay loop is the rng on getting loot i think gruntag said it in chat personal loot um and and that's part of it but i think in general like you could go an entire raid for weeks and not get a single piece of loot you get like a consolation prize and i'm not saying you need to get the most powerful thing every time you walk into a dungeon by no means at all but at least something that can help your character do better in the next run um, and again, right with the mechanics they're talking about, the better you do, the more difficult it becomes. So there's never going to be that point at which, you know, you cough on the mobs and they die, right? It's always going to be something that provides some level of challenge. So from in my opinion, if you're going to do content that's challenging like that, you're going to need something tangible as your reward out of that. Mm -hmm. So don't cheapen the experience. And don't make me walk away with nothing. Because in either case, I am not happy as a gamer. Yeah. It goes back to the rewarding a person for their time invested, doesn't it? As opposed yeah. to... Yeah. Yeah. Go on. 
was gonna say like wow had the badges of honor that they introduced in in tvc i think and you know so, something that you get something that you can take and turn in if you collect enough of it over time that it yeah it doesn't feel like you just wasted three hours of your life and a bunch of mats and whatnot on a repair bill Oh, God. Or you, you get rewarded if uh, not that then some type of smart loot system it's like hey if nobody can wear this in the raid or it's not an upgrade for anybody in the raid don't drop it unless it has you know a really high disenchant value then sure anima <laughs> dude dude this is exactly why i couldn't get into i saw that and i was like nope not doing it nope not getting more of a resource to dump into I'm like I'm 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 avoiding the just rant about this with, with that. That's it's not the way, man. That's not the way. That's not the way to listen to your player base and respect people's time, man. I'm not saying everybody gets a participation award either. I'm just saying, like, make their time, make the reward valuable enough for them to dedicate that kind of time to the content in the game. That you want people coming back, not for dailies, not for daily logins. You want people coming back because they want to go and defeat that difficult boss or that difficult group. Like they want to go and they want to get their friends together and they want to together achieve this sense of fulfillment of completing a, a, a difficult task. I mean, that's super rewarding. Like it, there's nothing like going and, and finally achieving like your first kill on a boss, getting the reward of that loot that you know is going to make your character, your group makeup stronger as a result. And and having that sense of accomplishment of defeating it together, you know, like that experience, you want it equally rewarding all around. If it was that difficult to complete, make the difficulty rewarding to the player's time, right? And replayability if it's going to be there too, um, you know, but that, God, the kill, man, of, of going in there and, and working, I love it. I love to work hard at, at going in there and like, you go into that same boss, man, sometimes weeks or months and you're like going in and you're going in and you slowly get better and better and you find ways to improve and then you take it down and everyone's screaming and shouting and, and like celebrating in chat because you, you did it. You finally did it and you persevered and you, and you got the kill and man, that's such a good time. And, uh, I'm hoping for a lot of that in the future. Um, I haven't, none of us have had the experience with ashes yet for good reason. It, we're not there yet, but gotten little snapshots of it, you know, uh, and, that, and that next group shambles. comes in right behind right at, while you're celebrating and wipes you all out, takes yeah. all your raw materials <laughs> that you just got. Oh man. Right. Then you sitting there with your, Oof. in your hands and man. <laughs> so I have some thoughts around the instance combat yes. or instance content thing. And you guys brought up a lot of good points. Chat brought up a lot of good yeah, points. Yeah, they did. I, I I love the idea of having that, like, the most difficult, even if it's just a handful of raids. Yeah, just a handful. The most difficult content to be um, in an instance environment. I also agree that you cannot have the best gear in the game locked behind that. Yeah. Because Agreed. that is that that is as Cicadia said, or Cicada, sorry, is absolutely against what the fundamental of Ashes is absolutely. about yep. in terms of gating yep. gating that behind a specific thing. When mm -hmm. the game is not geared towards PvE or PvP necessarily, it's mm -hmm. a balance of both. Yeah, PvP. So w when I think of 
an instance dungeon, when I think of an instance raid, like let's say, wow, sure, there's the lobby aspect of it. What is that really though? It's a safety net. It's a safety net that keeps everybody else from coming in and either stealing the kill from you and getting the loot or killing you afterwards and taking the loot. Now, if you're not corrupt, you're not going to drop finished gear. Yep. You're not going to drop even processed materials. You're only going to drop raw materials. Yep. So the, the loot that you get from the boss, not all of it is up for grabs if you get killed and wiped afterwards. Mm-hmm. Some of it might be, because absolutely materials and crafting components are a big, big part of the loot tables as, as they're currently proposed, because the crafting system is being designed that it, you will be able to craft top tier gear just as you can get top tier gear from drops. There's going to be a balance of both to really deck your guy out, really deck your character out, all right? So, you know, what what is the safety net in the game then? What what does prevent another group from coming in and mopping the floor with you when you're halfway through a boss kill or waiting until you kill the boss and you guys are almost all dead, half some of your party members are dead, and just finishing you off and, and taking things? Server politics. Guild politics. If a guild comes in and does that to you, guess what? That guild now has a reputation. Yeah, it's not like it's not like they're flying under the radar. This isn't the 1970s where there's <laughs> no such thing as a cell phone and, and video cameras and internet, and, and you can get away with murder because there's no communication and that you can't get caught on tape. Okay, you will get a target on your back. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Daedalus. You will get a target on your back. You will now have a server reputation, whether it's an individual, a certain group, or a guild, you will have a server reputation. And it's going to be so hard to dodge that. That's your safety net. Is that going to stop players from, from coming in and, and stealing your kill or killing you? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. There's guilds out there that are going in with the mindset of, we want that target on our back. We want this. Yeah. To- persona about ourselves you need to be aware of that you need to be aware of what's around you and it'll be on you as a group as a guild to protect yourself whether that's standing you know a bunch of people outside of your initial 40 person raid at the doorway to block another group from coming in and being like no 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 no. you you come you 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 go past this safety line and we we take you out or at least try to (laughs) um so there, there's that aspect of it. Now, th- another thing uh, that I saw come up in chat, I think it's a good thing it, from Vicey, I believe it was, what's to stop a guild from just camping a certain boss room and farming it over and over again? Well, respawn times is probably going to be a big one. Yeah, it, it, I hope that for the higher tier bosses, that there is a meaningful respawn time behind it. Now, that meaningful respawn time can also be an incentive for a guild coming in and seeing somebody else already engaged in combat with that boss that you want to have PVP take place because it's like, Hey, this boss is on like a three day cooldown or a six hour cooldown. We're not, we just put 40 people together, had 40 people sit down at their computers and and dedicate several hours to this initiative. We're not walking out of here to go do something else. So chances are you're now going to have to fight for the rights of to, to deal with that boss. But that is that incentive of the game. That is what this game is about. If you don't like it, then yeah, maybe I'm a jerk, but <laughs> thanks for Jim. Just saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't like that, maybe this game's not going to be for you then, or maybe that 
top level rating isn't going to be for you. And Steven has been absolutely forthcoming about this game's not going to be for everyone. This isn't built to Kate to mass appease everyone because that you wind up with a really watered down game like what you see in in wow nowadays and a lot of other games nowadays where they've tried to appease so many players that they've ended up just watering down the game yeah and really and taking so much substance out of it which is a very so, very fine line too isn't it between like appeasing you know watering down and appeasing versus like listening to your player base and not wanting the game to also like you know as a result of something being so punishing that people just don't want to play it People are like, this is, I don't want to do it. You don't want the game to only also be like such a small audience. It's so niche that only players of this particular play style are willing to like continue playing it because it's too punishing. So yeah, it's that, that it's that tricky balance, man, that they've got to work to achieve so that, yeah, it is, you know, rewarding enough to, in some regards, some casuals to the people who, you know, do want to put in like the time to go do something, to work hard to get something, and then to not just get wiped every single time by a group. Because, man, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't the hardcores that'll come play. That'll pl They might play their version of hardcore, but it's that balance, man. Like, because, yeah, it can't be for everybody, and it can't be made to where you just appease everyone and you give everyone what they want, because then you end up getting another one of the same. But you also don't want to be so rigid in your design and so hardcore about it that it's so punishing and it feels so unfair to a person that they just don't even care or want to play because that's how you kill your game too, in my opinion. That's Absolutely. how you do it. So it's that balance, man. And you're definitely not going to... Not everyone's going to love Ashes. Period. It isn't going to be everything they want. They're going to want too many things. They want it to be too theme park. Some people want it to be too theme park and you see it all the time. It's like, homie, that ain't going to happen, man. Um, <clears throat> then you want the ones too that are like, I want to murder everyone everywhere anytime. I want to take their shit. I want to, it's like, dude, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't going to work either. The balance is going this to is be where we really need the corruption system so that we can start testing yeah. that. Yeah. Because that's uh, yeah. going to be the big punishing thing, right? If yeah. they, if you're in a raid fighting a boss and somebody comes in and wipes you and a bunch of them go corrupt and the, you know, now you respawn, you come back to that dungeon entrance, catch them on the way out or yeah. get back in there. And there maybe now you have the advantage of health and, and you can come in and actually maybe you have them drop some of their gear. Yeah. Never mind. And I mean, as, as the raw materials change hands more and more like this, the death penalty does delete a lot of those materials from the game. So it's yes. just going to be a lot less in the world in, in general. Yep. And you got to remember, but yeah, that counterplay is going to yeah. be there and that's yes. going to be so important. Right. Cause like people worry like, well, they're just coming to come kill us and take our stuff. If you don't fight back, right. If you, that's being a non-combatant, a non-combatant means you do not attack them back. You do not flag for PVP. If you don't fight back and they kill you, they gain corruption. If they gain enough corruption, right. Then what happens? They drop gear. You can kill a corrupt player. Remember how this works. It's not a two-way street. Just because you're flagged for PvP doesn't mean you drop your stuff too like they do. They drop their gear if they gain enough corruption. If you're not corrupt and you're just flagged for PvP, very different thing. But we do need to see that actually. We do actually need to see how that plays out. You know? So. 
And yeah, then but I see that's a, that's that's a, an important point is if you don't fight back, you remain a non-combatant and they yeah. get corrupted if they kill you. Yeah. If you do fight back, you become a combatant. Yep. There is less death penalty. I think like half the death penalty or something like that. If you get killed as a combatant True. of what you will drop, what you will suffer. Mm-hmm. However, they will not become corrupted yep. when they kill you. So you have to. Choices. Make that conscious decision, <laughs> and this will probably be a guild discussion that you have yep. in your raid before you get in there, is will you want to fight back or will you, would you rather have them get corrupted so that you have a chance to come back and make them suffer even more? Yeah. Now, if they completely outclass you, like, like somebody said in chat earlier, if they completely outclass you and they are simply just way stronger than you and they're going to come in and mop the floor with you regardless of how you attempt to interact yeah. with them, then yeah, fight back. Try try to hold your own. You know, yeah. go go down with don't go down without a fight. But and that's just going to be the way of it. <laughs> Sometimes there's stronger folks than you. See, there's always it, somebody stronger mm-hmm. than you. And the other thing too is like, well, you're if you're a non-combatant and you get killed, if you don't have a bunch of raw materials, like, is he prepared to go do this? Like, the reward is far less great for them as well. So it's a trade-off of like, what am I going to lose? what's going to benefit me in this scenario or us in the scenario. If I, we don't have any gatherables, maybe we're willing to not fight back and let them get a bunch of corruption. Maybe we try to bait them into that enough too, to where this happens enough. And now we get them corrupt enough where we can, we can fight back and we can take their stuff, some of their gear, you know, politics to tie into this too. Maybe you know that they're well known for this and this is how they run. This is what they do. And, if you one up them in that one scenario and you play it right, you bait them as they do what they're doing. There's the potential that you could, you could pay out really. You could get a really good payout for killing these corrupt players as well, just for fighting back. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a very, very fair, very, very good point. We got to see how this plays out with these types of encounters being a possibility with people being geared like that. And being able to gauge corruption and and actually like play with that and see how that all works to know where that cost benefit analysis is going to lead a group or a person to make certain decisions on how they navigate the world, what they're carrying, you know, where they're at, are they alone, whatever. So brings us all back to what's the, where are we going from here? Right. And I had another point I wanted to hit on, but I think I'm gonna leave it alone because we're already pretty long today, but really a lot, a lot of good discussion points and you know, I see a couple comments in chat. I think I'm actually going to pick up on, I think we're actually going to pick up on next time. I think those would be some really good conversations. Now, next time we're going to be here, it's going to be post ashes development live stream, which is this Friday. Again, if you weren't here in the beginning, if you maybe forgot about the upcoming live stream questions are due by Thursday, August 26th at 11 AM PDT. And then at 11 AM PDT on Friday, August 27th, we've got the next development live stream right so friends be there or be square (laughs) any final thoughts gentlemen um just like one i would say quick thing for me i mean i i think the key message that we've heard from chat Mm -hmm. and we've been talking about as well as testing 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 i do hope as they plan out the roadmap they're really looking at really Mm -hmm. strong testing periods testing specifics testing more wide and casting the net letting players do what they may that would be you know my uh my feedback and i you know i expect they'll take it to heart because 
you know, their strategy so thus far has been kind of along those lines. But as we get out of alpha one, where it's really basically your tech testing, mm. I'm really hoping that they focus on some um, pretty specific things that we've talked about, but also give players an opportunity just to do, you know, what they do and, you know, uh, figure out a few bugs on their own. <laughs> Let's put it that Absolutely. way. Yeah, I think moving forward, if we get into any further testing, if ever the studio is having a debate on uh, approach A or approach B to a system, give us the toggle in game, let us test it and get our feedback. I, the, I, I, we have seen that with the, uh, the rooted versus motion combat, free motion combat, and the ability to toggle between the two and test them side by side. I think it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Keep it going. Totally agree. And um, yeah, also I'm going to be doing, we're going to be doing a lot of gathering of thoughts and feedback on that day. So if you remember, 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 whether you are here and you catch us live, leave your comments. If you catch on YouTube, leave your comments. We, we do pull from that. But gentlemen, why don't you shout out your domains where people could find you when you're not on this particular show, friends? All right, you can find me on Twitter at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. And half tilt. I am on Twitter at half underscore tilt or right on here on Discord, uh, half tilt gamer. Awesome. And uh, friends, remember whether or not you're on the podcast, right? Whether or not you catch us live, which is 5 p.m. CDT every Sunday, like clockwork here on Twitch where we stay the course. Doesn't matter if you watch on YouTube. Doesn't matter if you're here live. Always prefer you to be here live so you don't miss out on all the really great interaction. Um, obviously, you're going to get to see a lot of the visuals and stuff if you're here or you watch on YouTube. Um, but even if you listen, you know, leave your feedback. Join the Discord, uh, discord.gg forward slash Samorg. You know, leave the comments. Let us get gather your thoughts, your feedback, because we are here to advocate for the community to share your thoughts and often we get to share that with the developers. We're pretty lucky at that. And uh, much love to all of you. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for being here with us live. Remember, you're an Ashes Pathfinder. Much love to you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next uh, podcast, we will uh, be seeing you soon. Live your best lives. Walk in the light and have a great night, everybody. We'll catch you real soon. Bye, everybody. Take care, everyone. Take care, folks.